Give me a beat, Ty. Uh, 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 okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't keep going. I'm like a diamond in the rough. Do you see me grow? This ain't pay-per-view. It's a free show. I'm still shooting them all day. Free throw. We're out here on the island. Let's go. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Hello. <laughs> we are back. That's right. We're on the island again. We're going to talk about Survivor. That sounds like a good idea. How's that sound? <laughs> I like that idea. We should go with that. I just want to keep rapping, you know. I've <sighs> uh I've never been a rapper at heart. I've always been more of a classical kind of guy. Give me a harpsichord and a violin, and I'll make you move emotionally. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, oh, so man. we, we are, start. We're just rolling today. We're just <laughs> rolling. I guess it's fair to say we're pretty hot today. I'm Taylor Gaines, and with me on the other line, he smells like a dead weasel. It's Tyler B. Commons. That's probably way more accurate than uh, you think right now, because I just came back from trying to play basketball, and I think I trying. failed pretty hard. I I played one game, and then I was like, I'm done. That's it. That's all I got in me nowadays, <laughs> which makes me really, really sad. You, what are you, 47 years old? Uh, I'll be 46 in November. That's what I thought. Okay. Ty's old enough to be on Survivor. Actually, you're probably too old to be on Survivor. I'd be the oldest player on Survivor if I was 47. What are we here for? Was that not rhetorical? We're, we're here to talk about Survivor, <laughs> I guess. We're here to talk about Survivor and what happened. <laughs> what happened yesterday, two days ago. I don't know when it was. I'm rattled. I'm I'm just rattled by how emotional this episode got. Did you? What what emotions were played up? Hmm. I guess when I think of this episode of Survivor, I think of... The power of the human spirit and what it means to keep fighting and not just fighting, but living in the face of defeat and in the face of death. The, the, <laughs> the dark, the dark scepter that comes for us all. And yet we still find time to laugh and smile and, and cry. <laughs> I can't follow that up. There was some uh, some heartwarming moments in this one, but there was also it was almost like despair hung over this whole episode. I mean, we'll get to that. I don't want to spoil it, but that was kind of my like a thick fog. It's like spiders crawling all over you. Hmm. Good call forward. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I would say this was. The most disappointing episode of the season on a strategic level, but easily the most emotionally compelling episode, probably since the Zeke Varner episode, which almost doesn't count because that was emotionally compelling in a different way. This was emotionally compelling in a strictly survivor way. I guess I want to applaud the producers for obviously listening to our podcast and doing what we (laughs) have been begging them to do for years now which is to trust us that we can understand what's going on and we'll we'll we we just want deeper character stuff or maybe i just speak for myself what did you think of this like internally focused episode where we basically knew who was going home in a categorical way from like halfway through (laughs) 
Yeah, basically from the beginning, New Malolo, which is comprised of most Navidi, we all saw the the vote coming, but we did. We got good introductions to people's backstories and emotions. And, um, you know, we got a good interview with Stephanie. We got a good interview with Chris. We got a good interview with Donathan. And I think those three kind of stole it on the personal note. I know you have been wanting an episode like this, like you said, for years where they don't make it look like a blindside when it's not a blindside. You know, like this one, it's almost like it was too set in stone that they couldn't even, as editors, figure out a way to have more tension than like It forced their hand a little bit. It did. But I thought they handled it well because, I mean, if you step back and look, maybe you could say this was a boring episode, but I wasn't bored by this episode. I don't think any True Survivor fan was bored by this episode. I mean, just because we knew one of three people was going home doesn't that doesn't make it a bad episode yeah i think if you didn't like this episode you probably don't want to be on survivor because (laughs) i felt like the feeling as rusty as the storytelling felt like they hadn't cranked this muscle out in a while where we had a couple (laughs) like rough edits of stephanie on ghost island going from oh i'm thinking of my kids to like telling her whole life story in like 12 seconds Mm -hmm. and it was like it could have been more mm, it could have been more eloquently handled from a storytelling standpoint i think right but the palpable sense of how badly these three wanted to be out there and how much they knew they weren't going to be at least one of them was like really affecting to me because and maybe this is a Maybe this is an added benefit to us heavily like previewing and breaking down the show and reading all this background stuff where mm-hmm. we know a little more than is given to us on screen even. I still thought in the back half of the episode, spoilers, obviously. I don't I feel like I say that every week. I don't know if I need to, but um, I mean they they should know by I, now, but I, I like the back half of the episode, they did an interesting job of giving us equal time of Michael Jenna and Stephanie and trying to set up if not a surprising tribal council at least a an interesting one where stuff was happening you know and i i really thought we talked about steven fishback Mm -hmm. last week in the piece that he wrote i thought he did a really good job this week as a former survivor player he described the edit of it he said the producers who edited this episode turned it turned a straightforward down the line vote into a profound meditation on what the show means to the people who play it the narrative of most survivor episodes is which of these alliances will win this episode changed that the story became which of these three people will have their dreams snuffed out before they were ready wow i like i like that the way he put that because we did we got to know all three people i mean clearly at this point we know And we knew Michael and Stephanie better than we know Jenna. But I think because they're both more strategically in tune with the game, and I'm saying um a lot, so forgive me. (laughs) Well, forgive, uh, forgive, uh, you're asking me to forgive you because I'll edit it and no one will know that you ever said um. That's going to be a lot of editing. I do it every week, Ty. But yeah, I really liked, uh, I liked this episode. I I don't know what else to say about it besides we got to know... We just got to know everybody, and that's what we always complain about in the beginning, and I still feel like this is the beginning early stages, even though a merge, or not a merge, a tribe swap has already happened. I feel like we still is happening again, which I'm kind of excited for, um, and I'm sure we'll touch on that later. 
we we're still getting to know people and i like that i like that they're delving into stories and i like that even what are we five episodes in now we're delving into more than just one or two people's stories and i know we said we weren't going to talk about it enough and we've complained or as much this season and we com- we've complained about the edit a little bit the last few seasons but even this episode like i loved the edit and i knew the outcome before we even watched it you know so i think that was something great that this episode showed if you're a survivor fan then it didn't matter that it was jenna michael or stephanie because you got to know all three of those people before one of them was forced out so in that sense it was great to see how much they loved the game and how much they all fought to stay out there and sometimes you know the chips just don't just don't come your way and here's a taste of that i took some notes that i thought would be a good quick reminder of sort of what they set up at the end there. Stephanie saying, getting to the end in this game is everything to me. I have two children I'm supporting. I've been envisioning getting that million dollar check at the reunion show and just running down and picking my kids up. We'll talk more about them. Uh, It blows my mind thinking about that moment. I'm so close and I want it so bad for all of us. Jenna talking about how she was using Survivor to push herself to be more open I know this game is going to force me to come out of my shell. Michael saying the game was a culmination of his lifelong fandom. And he even got emotional in a confessional, started crying a little bit. (laughs) And this is the last quote in Fishback's article, which I think I actually unintentionally evoked at the beginning of the podcast here. He Mm -hmm. said, I want it so bad. I really want it, etc. The words just don't do justice to how deeply the contestants feel. And doesn't everybody have that inexpressible need, that impossible want for something? Everybody wants something more. At the Maybe risk we're of- over, over dramatizing it, but that's. Uh, I just thought it was that kind of episode, and I, I haven't seen them even attempt something like this in so long that I just kind of loved it. It was almost. I don't know if you watch. You don't watch Game of Thrones, right? I have seen Just one or two of. episodes, yeah. There's like these 10 episode seasons that they have and in the years when the show was really good, there was a lot of talk of filler episodes and like they got to get to number nine where the big thing's going to happen and this one was just like to get from five to seven or whatever and yeah. this was the, like a survivor episode that felt like that where like we might not realize the benefits of this episode until later because they spent so much time on Chris and his emotional backstory, so much time on Donathan and his backstory, so much time on Michael and a a bit of time on Jenna. Like this is the kind of groundwork they don't lay enough. Like, and even within this season, you can point to someone like Chelsea and be like, who, you know, like she, she, she basically had her first time on screen in this episode and it was just to do terrible in the challenge and get her team sent to tribal. <laughs> and <laughs> and then they showed her talking a couple of times and oh boy, it like it it gave me flashbacks to um JP last season watching oh her boy. talk strategy with people because she would come up and be like, "I think uh so and so." And they'd be like, "No, I think so and so." And she'd be like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah the note and, it's funny you mentioned this because the only the only note i took because i'm trying to get chelsea in the in the podcast is i said <laughs> kellen and chelsea are just following what everyone else is saying 
that's it. That's the only note I could take. So like she's not she's not making a splash and you can argue that that's a good strategy, but we do get these She's great- the only person I know we used to do this way back when was like the who has no chance of winning thing. She's yeah. the only person so far that I I'd be shocked if she made it to like the final five or four yeah i mean she's got that athletic background so if she starts getting to those balance and whatever challenges maybe she'll be able to do it but yeah but I mean, she she yes she is the opposite of what we got this episode because this episode we're reiterating it because we can't reiterate it enough they did a great job of storytelling this episode even if it wasn't the bait and switch like we always get they did a great job of introducing people they did a great great job of letting you know hey this group of five is still dominating this group of three but they're not actually winning any challenges they've lost four straight now so we're still getting to see the groundwork laid of of probably key players that are gonna last a long time but it's not as heavy-handed as it's been in the past yeah and like i said i kind of hate those bait and switch episodes but the the other reason i think it worked for me is and this is credit to the cast and also credit to the work they've done so far is that i really really like stephanie and i really really like michael and frankly they didn't show us much of jenna so i didn't have strong feelings Mm -hmm. for her either way but (laughs) we'll talk a little bit about her with sebastian later because that was one of my favorite moments of the week and the fact that i liked michael and stephanie so much really made it hurt when stephanie went out because she was not a preseason pick of mine but through these first few weeks she was one of my favorites the way she played jacob back in week one was brilliant and she's like remember we kind of talked in the preseason about whether she might come across as too much and Mm -hmm. i think jeff said this too to the hollywood reporter after this week's episode but that didn't happen like she just came across as a really awesome person and her story in itself is pretty inspiring i think we can dive into that a little bit here before we move on since she was the one who wound up going home and she'll tell you she knew it was her she said Michael and Jenna couldn't even look at her on the last day they were out there. So it was sad. But to her credit, she had to be the one to go, I think. I, I, she was probably the best strategic player, and they just couldn't afford to lose another challenge. <laughs> so they probably couldn't vote Michael out. Right. But, but yeah, like she was one of the super fans on this season, as Jacob talked about from uh, first one out. Mm-hmm. She just had like a really emotional we talked a lot in the first week's episode about some of the emotional exit interviews and hers was something else did you get a look at hers yeah i got a look at hers she has i mean she's got a really interesting life she's got an interesting life story she's talking about she came she's a single mother which that card's already been played i liked how they said like you can't take that storyline from uh who was it angela um, this, the single mother storyline's already been taken, so you can't do that. So they threw in about her uh, leaving Mormonism and Kellen. Um, Kellen was the recently divorced. I don't know if she was. Um, I don't think she's a single mother though. But yeah, I mean, she she did have a background and a story that was worth noting and worth mentioning. And she's out there. She's one of those people that you cheer for because she's kind of got her back against the wall in life i don't know if that's necessarily true because she's starting businesses and doing triathlons and presented that way yeah but but it's presented she wrote a book (laughs) she did what was it called (laughs) requiem for a dream or something like that (laughs) yeah it was she won an oscar for it i don't remember the title you can look it up while i'm 
talking here, but mm-hmm. she had a pretty cool story. Before we get to the sad part, I'll, I'll, I'll retell the story of her finding out she got on Survivor since she says she had been applying since season two, like making up fake email addresses so she could apply as more people and sending in VHS tapes, to, like VHS tapes to try to get on. The story, I just loved this. Uh, I was having lunch in a restaurant with one of my best friends. She knew I had been through the process and what it meant to me. My phone was sitting on the table. Then all of a sudden, I see a survivor name come up. I freeze, and my friend looks at me and goes, Answer your phone! So I answered it, and I'm told that I'm going to be on Survivor. I started screaming in the middle of the restaurant, and everybody stops and turns and looks at me. My friend is looking at me wide-eyed. Go! Get out of here! Just go! Get out! I run out of the restaurant and confirm that I'm going to be on. When I go back in after getting off of the phone, there were maybe seven to ten people who came up to me and said, (laughs) I don't know what just happened, but we are so excited for you because we have never seen anyone so excited about anything. (laughs) Whatever you're excited about, congratulations. Yeah, that's a fun moment. Like, I jokingly said this to somebody this week because I was talking about this podcast and I said, yeah, I'm on a Survivor podcast, blah, blah, blah. And they were more excited about that than like anybody I've ever seen be excited about anything. (laughs) And I was fan this week. We we may have a new fan. We'll see if she uh, gives the old pot a listen. But (laughs) I was like, I just want to be that excited about something. And it sounds like Stephanie was that excited to play this game that we all love. By the way, actually, I think you just touched on. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say. By the way, her book was called Wonderlust, not Requiem for a Dream. it was the story of her going to what, like, like somewhere in South America by herself on New Year's Day for like two weeks and just kind of journeying around. That was one of her separate journeys. So she likes to backpack oh, oh, okay. and she likes to hike. But she wrote a book called Wonderlust about traveling solo through Vietnam. Wow! And then See, but for New he, Year's, she went backpacking alone in Patagonia. So she <laughs> definitely loves to get out and go see the world. But you were saying, go ahead. Well, just the thing about excitement and joy that you just touched on and. I don't know if this this podcast is going to sound overly uh, and, and not existential, but you know, like philosophical uh, mm-hmm. and and dramatic and a little less fun maybe than usual. But just because of the way this episode has made us feel and talk about it, but but to your point about people being excited and and likable, like I think that's one of the reasons we're drawn to her is she's the type of person, and we've talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before. Like those people in your life who are just like such a radiant light that mm-hmm. you're just like, how, how are they like that all the time? And, uh, you know, who knows what people have going on 24 hours. Only, only you are with yourself 24 hours a day. That's what I like to say. Mm. But she's that kind of person. And it was a bummer. L- let me read the flip side of it. The, the, the bummer part. My kids were with me when we watched the episode the one where she gets voted out. Mm. <laughs> we were alone. They didn't know the outcome until last night because they're six and eight. I can't have them going to school and telling people. I was in shock watching the episode. I, I, I think I need to go back and rewatch it. I have to realize how in shock I was at Tribal Council. I didn't realize that Jenna and Kellen were crying so much. I didn't see that on my way out. I don't even remember turning around and saying goodbye or whatever I said. I just felt like I had turned around and walked out because I was in shock, even though I knew it was a likely outcome, but it was very hard to watch. There were a lot of tears in my house, a lot of anger and tears. It was really gut-wrenching to have to watch it back and tell my kids that it was going to be okay. 
My saving grace with it all is that I'm kneeling there, talking with my kids and consoling them. And my big guy came over to me and wrapped his arms around me. And just on his own, he said, Mom, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) I lose it. We're all sitting there, all three of us, bawling our eyes out, having that moment where he said he was proud of me on his own. And then the little one chimed in and said the same thing. And it brought the entire experience to a pinnacle and closed the entire circle right in that moment. I felt very proud of my game. I knew I had done everything I possibly could. I knew my kids were proud. That was my biggest guilt about it all, and then it was all alleviated last night. I'm at peace right now. I'm still trying to console my kids, but I'm okay now. I'm okay. For the first time, I think I can say, I'm okay. It's not your fault. (laughs) It's not your fault, Stephanie. It's not your fault. Why, Stephanie? As Desi said, you just have to find the reason. Yeah, and it's definitely... As Desi also said... This is a crew, and we've talked about this. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. This is a crew, and we've talked about it, where everybody is likable again. It's been a while since we've had a season where everybody is likable. And I'm having like a lot of fun doing that. Excuse me, what did you say? I said Bradley. Bradley. (laughs) Okay, Bradley... Bradley's likable because he's good at the game, not because of his personality. Does that make sense? That's not really the definition of likable, but go on. All right, fine. I was just... Don't shoot holes through my argument mid-sentence. So even everyone that's You're gone right. so far besides Stephanie, number one, Gonzalez, I've felt like I want them to stick around. I've been rooting for them. I've been cheering for them. And it's been a while. Sometimes I'm like, oh, get that dead weight off the show but we haven't had that moment yet maybe maybe when that happens with chelsea but who knows chelsea could develop into more of a character we don't know but stephanie i think is the first person i've really wanted to come back from this season well maybe i really like brendan too i think she just from some of the strategic potential she had i'd love to as as desi said i might have to bleep this part stephanie is strategic as It was obvious that she said that, at least. Yeah, that's the thing. That's that's why she went home because Jenna's not strategic. Stephanie was strategic, so you have yep. to you have to keep the physical strength. So Michael gets to stick around. You have to get rid of the one. Okay, real quick, might be real quick on moves. Michael. I just yeah. want to say this episode was the first time I legitimately forgot that he was eighteen. Like he said at one point, "I'm eighteen," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like <laughs> we've talked about it endlessly, and I was still it blew my mind. But I feel like I've said that every week. I loved his uh, his poise. I don't remember if it was this tribal council or the last one. He's told everyone, he's like, yeah, I'm 23. I've been watching the show for eight years. Like, he even did that. Like, the yeah. lying math, he did correct and, like, said it without skipping a beat, which is really impressive. And we, I mean, we keep harping on how impressive he is. He's not, he's not Will Wall 18. He's, like, he's a legit He's like Tyler player. Commons 47. Yeah. Um, moving on from this, just because, as Jeff said, it's just a major bummer. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the other stuff that happened this week before we get out of here. The Navidi tribe, as I finally learned this week, which tribe was the one that was winning, <laughs> won their third and fourth straight challenges in a row. Mm-hmm. And the one we should really talk about, we talked about Chelsea sort of blowing the immunity challenge, but we should talk about Chris and him like warming up his arm during the reward challenge. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, and then walking up and just nailing everything and being like, I played college baseball. I called the chocolate guys. And then rapping and, it, oh man, what just what a showcase from Chris, I thought. Yeah, I love that. I, my notes on this was, 
then he raps for some reason, which was just, it's hilarious for me to think back and just laugh at myself writing a note like that. He did. He crushed that challenge. I don't, he missed maybe one or two throws that they probably edited out, but it was like a movie. Like they had, they had uh, Bradley watching him throw and he just said, dear God. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was a joke because someone was like, get your arm ready. And then he starts like doing the whirl around thing where he's like loosening up his shoulder. Like you, you know, you just said, (laughs) and then he just hauls off and he doesn't miss. Like that was incredible. I didn't catch if he was a righty or lefty though. So I think he was righty. I, now that you say that, I realize I might not have been paying attention. But mm-hmm. oh, by the way, Feinberg pointed out in his review he, that he played at Polk State and the University of Pikesville. So not huge colleges. Uh, Feinberg, by the way, Hollywood Reporter recapper. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about him. Yeah, because <laughs> another, uh... <laughs> another very negative review. I will say he had a funny line again about Ghost Island, which someone went to for the third time or for the fifth time and for the third time didn't get to play and he said the entire season's theme has boiled down to one currently nebulous advantage distributed in in five hours all the talk about reversing curses and redeeming the legacy of past players and whatever has amounted to exactly nothing see i disagree with that because michael tried and michael had a fun a fun moment where he said he had the double idol but he didn't get that from ghost island no, he that's worth. I guess that's true. But the thing that I like about them not being able to play is it's a storytelling device because we get to meet more people and on top of that, it's not idol apocalypse. The yes. last few seasons we have had so many idols and so many I mean we we had a non-vote which also um, just wasn't fair. Like I don't like when the game boils down to these advantages are running the game, not the relationships, not the people, not not circumstances it's worth pointing out too that it's much better than the alternative like if they were out here pretending that one tribe was brains and one tribe was brawn (laughs) like it's just people and i think that's another reason it's been better so Mm -hmm. i'm good with it it's it's negligible like i don't care for it particularly but i'm not bothered by it either maybe another interesting twist they could have thrown instead of giving like an advantage that way they could they could do like a food game for the person that goes out there. You know what I'm saying? So you always yeah, get to see yeah. you always get to see something. Maybe they half the portion of rice that they get when they're on Ghost Island or they get a cheeseburger. Something like that. You know? Then you get to see if someone's got the guts to risk it, which you and know, it's Kellen definitely didn't. funny. Yeah, it, it, hearing people try to like like Michael at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> try to act like when his plan didn't work what he really was thinking about was survivor china you know like it's like i was just i was unable to reverse the idol's curse (laughs) and it's it's kind of funny but one other thing what did you make of donathan in this episode getting some spotlight uh you know you you want company or you want space i i really liked the position that donathan is in he's got laurel and that's a really strong power couple weirdly because both of them are being pitched as the underdog um and then chris comes over and chris befriends him and i think they that this episode did a good job of setting up maybe a tense moment where donathan says that he likes laurel but he might like chris better you know so again there's another personality relationship triangle that's forming because we've already got the chris dominic thing and now chris might have roped in laurel and donathan and 
we're being set up, we're getting to know these people and we're being set up for sort of tense moments, hopefully to be coming down the pipe the next few weeks, you know, up until the merge kind of a thing. And they're doing that well. And Donathan, we we sing Donathan's praises every week because like he's, he's out there and he's learning and he's meeting people he would never meet before. And he's just, he's generally, genuinely excited to be out there. Um, yeah, and that's great. always fun to see. You don't have those people that are out there and feel like they deserve to be out there and don't even hunt for idols. Yeah. He's taking in the full survivor experience. If, if I ever got on the show, I would want to be portrayed as Donathan is being portrayed <laughs> as someone taking full Talk advantage. about a beacon of light. Yeah. I uh, I think that's a good transition point into our last segment on the show, and we're definitely backed into a corner. We're prepared to write down three names. Mm. It's the power rankings. We need a like a, a music. Power, power, power. Drop the beat. Power. <laughs> rankings, rank. I'm not rapping. No, nope. you're the rapper. Okay. <sighs> well, so who's going first this week? Rank. If you? you can't rap, can you rank? I Give can, me your number one. I can rank. So I'm going first this week. All right. Number one, it's because we get to see him leading the last two weeks. I got Bradley. It's hard for me to put him at number one. I mean, he's sitting at number one in the current way the tribes are set up, but we get to see next week there's a switch up. And with his personality, yeah, I don't I, know if he's going to be on top. So right I, now, I, I have him at number one. I not to make that part of my power rankings because that's sort of like next week territory. Right. Which is, I don't want to have the foresight of knowing that but he's played the best the games from the next episode this week honestly i thought about it too i was like oh i heard taylor's not watching the scenes i thought you'd mention that anyways but then um, if you watch like any ncaa basketball during the tournament you see a, the occasional commercial for survivor and the commercials are even more spoilery than the the scenes the the commercials are like next week stephanie goes home on survivor it's like crazy <laughs> It's that blatant. Yeah, so I got Bradley at number one, but that is this week. I have a strong feeling I won't have him at number one next week. Who's got your top spot this week? That'll get him three points from from you, as we know. My Mm -hmm. top spot, I put Chris. Okay. And I think that's because, well, I'll get into part of the reason as we work through the three, but, I mean, he dominated (laughs) in a way. I haven't seen someone dominate a challenge in a while. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, he made a good connection with Donathan and in the last few weeks has started to show the side of him that I hoped would come out in the preseason where he talks about his emotional backstory and his human side and it was a little calculating but I still thought it was effective and without taking away the thunder from my later point he was on the winning tribe and they have a lot of people so he's my number one Mm -hmm. Number two for me, I decided to go with Michael, which is like, because my number one, I have Bradley, but like I have, I'm very much ranking those. I did Bradley not thinking about next week. I put Michael number two, totally thinking about next week. (laughs) So is, I mean, it's really tough for me to rank these people right now because. um, This was a tough week to do it, but I'll say that you having Michael ranked this week and not last week is one of the strangest things i can possibly imagine well he's just he's continuing to show me that he is much more intelligent much more physically gifted much more socially aware and with 
the preview for next episode saying drop your buffs, I have to think that he's not still going to be stuck on bottom unless Navidi legitimately sticks together. It runs through the Malolo this entire season, which I hope doesn't happen. That's never fun for me. Um, so that's that's why I have Michael number two, basically for the exact opposite reason that I have Bradley number one. <laughs> My number two is Donathan. I just kind of feel like he's settling in. The first week he was out there, he was terrified and looked like he, first three days, I guess I should say, he looked like he was going to potentially go home first. And now he seems like he's starting to understand how it works. He's also getting some solid emotional screen time that has uh, made me like him a lot. So I, I, I just feel good about his position. And obviously with the tribe swap, who knows, but we talked a little bit last week how he's sort of in the middle. And I, I've, I'm a noted fan of being in the middle when it's uh, in a big group like that. So I went ahead and put him number two, just because I'm not enamored by this tribe that's just lost every single time. You know, mm-hmm. I have a hard time putting their people in the that high in the power rankings. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, for that reason, I got Donathan at number three. Because like you're saying, he is making friends. He's making an alliance. He's got Chris, who is looking like he's in a pretty safe position. And he's got Laurel to sort of hide behind. And he's not rubbing people the wrong way. So yeah, the middle ground always is a safe place to be in Survivor. Hey, that, that to, ground paraphrase, you- to paraphrase Donathan in this episode, this is the time we all got to start thinking about Donathan. <laughs> Well, I've started thinking about him because I think he is in a good position and I think he's going to, he's got enough people to hide behind that he can sneak in, make the merge. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. My number three is Bradley and I've basically gotten to the reason why, which is if you're leading a tribe that you're actively making worse to keep losing every week, like you're in power over there. Good job. But, uh, I'm not going to put you any higher than three. (laughs) Yeah. So. That's that's my reasoning for that. The other thing I want to mention, I, I guess this isn't technically a power ranking, but this feels like the spot to mention it. Right. Sebastian is fantastic. Now, <laughs> my question is, do you think he is half asleep and or drunk literally all the time? Or what is his deal? I mean, just like him flirting i guess with jenna was just so strange and everything he says is just a sentence you never thought you would hear like (laughs) and the imply uh, oh my god okay so like she says i'll braid your hair and he goes you said you don't know how to braid hair (laughs) which means they aren't already had a conversation about it and uh, (laughs) uh, that cracked me up and then they cut to an interview with him and he's like I need braiders on this tribe or else I'm going to be a big single dread instead of one tiny dread, which I don't even understand. But uh, Sebastian, he's just, he, every he, time he talks, he has a good quote. I mean, he's definitely a character. He's definitely leading a lifestyle that I don't quite understand, but he's fun. And he seems, I don't think he's one of those people that's going to stay under Bradley's thumb when it comes he's gonna down go to go wherever it. the waves take him, man. He's definitely going to go where the waves take him, but I also think he's going to be the one making waves. I think he's going to say, look, he might just literally go, Bradley's a dick. I don't like him. And (laughs) that could be his quote for next week because I feel like he's smart enough to realize if I just stick with this guy, I'm not going to make it. You know, I'm just going to be run over and he's going to end up winning. I can see him 
eventually making a move and flipping and being with Michael and being with Jenna, who can braid his hair. He's definitely a smart, strategic player. I just, we're not seeing enough of him as leader for him to make my top three, which is, you know, could be some of the reasoning you have too. But he's, although I think uh, you had him fun. in your top three last week, I did have him last week. I don't have him this week. I don't know. I'm all over the place, but that's all right. Well, we've given our best and then some. And Survivor Week 4 is over. R.I.P. Stephanie. Rest in power. Rest in Patagonia. (laughs) 2K17. An emotional episode. One of our favorites goes home. Worth mentioning, just because I love to mention things no one cares about. Both of our final three predictions are still alive. All six of them. Dude, let's run through them again. Do you remember yours? I did not write down. I know I had Wendell at number one. You had Wendell winning um, with Dominic and Laurel at his side. Okay, I can see Laurel. <laughs> <laughs> Wendell Dominic is not going to work yeah, out well. Uh, <laughs> my, mine is similar. <laughs> okay. Because I had Angela winning uh, right. with Chris and James uh, at Final Tribal. Chris is ironically the one I feel best about. So James, we'll see what yeah. happens. It's been another, another good week, I think, and a good table setter for what will hopefully be an exciting tribe swap next week on Survivor Ghost Island. On the island. Just kidding. That's not my job. <laughs> you want to be a survivor. Yeah, so if you enjoyed this, um, please be sure to um. give us a subscription. <laughs> um, maybe uh, a like. Uh, um, please. Maybe follow us on Twitter. Um, Taylor has please. Twitter. Um, Tyler has Twitter. You can find us on all that stuff. There's a website on the island, podcast.com. I believe. Gosh, I'm so good at this, aren't I? We would love to have ratings and reviews and for you to share this podcast if you enjoyed it. So I'm the sellout. We want to talk with all the Survivor fans. We want a community of people. Follow us. Tweet at us. We'll have fun. We'll tweet back. Please. Please. Please be my friend. (laughs) That's it for me this week. Please go to prom. Taylor, what more do you have to say? I got nothing, man. I call the chocolate. Let's get out of here. Bye, family. Bye. Good at making these things up as well. <laughs> that is right.